Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Good morning, church family. Thank you for being here today. This is a special day for us as a church. As it's our official Thanksgiving celebration 2020. And as I was thinking about that, though, it hit me this week. That's every Sunday, really, isn't it? As God calls us, I was reminded of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 16, that says, at through 18, Rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And so, we, uh, our, our goal today is to be so overwhelmed with God's generosity to us that it just fires us up and equips us to be generous to those around us and to do some good as we, as we follow Him. But before we dive into our text, I just want to say a big thank you on behalf of Tam and I to all of you who were prayed and loved on our family as Tam battled through COVID this over the past couple of weeks. And, the, uh, and this morning, just want to say our thoughts and prayers are with those who are either battling through COVID or in quarantine and, and dealing with the effects of, of this virus. And we miss you. We're praying for you and hope if you're watching this at home that you feel that, uh, that you're right, that you're with us and in, in these moments. But um, Jim and Joan Harrell received the word that they are safely home from the hospital and in recovery, and so we're just praising God for His grace over them. But Tam was able to return to work on Tuesday of this past week. I was able to come out of quarantine on yesterday, hallelujah, and uh, so enjoying freedom today, but uh, so thankful for God's grace. And we, um, just so you know, we were careful to follow the guidelines, the C2C guidelines, as well as Tam working with the school and the health department was super helpful in just helping navigate what would be best and, and safest for all. By the way, could I just say publicly, I thought um, we, we usually only say public things when we're ticked off and mad and, and we don't say the good. Our leaders of our state, our governor, those who are leading at the community level, uh, Mark Morgantown manager, and, and then those who are leading our schools, our hospitals, are they not doing an amazing job with what's going on? It, it's like balancing, as a, as a church, allowing us to meet even. Um, our governor has, has been so gracious in balancing what would be safe, the health care, but also what would be helpful for our economy, and keeping those going is just, I cannot imagine the challenge that would be, and, and what a great job they're doing. So praise God for them. Let's keep praying for them, and as you have opportunity to interact, just encourage them. I thought about uh, Norman, uh, Storm and Norman, general back in Desert Storm, said this is what war's like. It's like a play where, you know, you're doing a play up here. Imagine you, everyone has their part, their script, and you, it's, they're ready to go. And then midway through the play, a madman jumps out of the, the audience with an ax and starts swinging, and you have to keep the play going. That's what war's like. Well, that's what life is like with COVID, isn't it? <laughs> this stupid virus jumps up and every week. It's like, what do we do now? And we pray and we, we keep trying to do good, but, but um, just praise God for, for how he's providing through our leaders. During quarantine, if I could just share a, a few words of, of encouragement, that I, I sensed God 
uh, not only giving us his healing grace, but his sanctifying grace. And it occurred to me how often God will put us in a time of quarantine to do a work in us before he does a work through us. And all the way back to Abraham, you know, he took him out there into the middle of nowhere by himself, to uh, Moses, to, uh, to Joseph, you see him going into to quarantine, David, 17 years, in essence, in quarantine, Daniel had a night in quarantine with the lions that must have felt like an eternity, the, uh, to Jesus even, before he started his ministry, 40 days out by himself, which ended with a battle with the devil. The, uh, Paul started his ministry, three years quarantine, and then ended his ministry in quarantine in prison. And then John quarantined on the island of Patmos. And so knowing that many of us are either experiencing this today or will experience a season of quarantine over the next couple months, wanted to just share a couple encouragements. First, when your time comes, seek the Lord with all your heart. Just seek Him. It's a unique season. Get in His Word. Live in His Word. And He promises in, in James chapter 4, if you draw near to Him, He will draw near to you. And He's the treasure. It's awesome what, what He can give. So seek Him. Second, prepare for battle. It, it's really helpful just to know, and especially when our bodies get taken down, our, um, we, we can hit some depression and some despair and, and just all the stuff that goes with that. And the enemy's coming after us. We're on a battlefield. This is not neutral ground. And there's a good chance the devil is going to take some shots. And so there's a text that you must live on. This is not optional. This is like, we can win the fight, but if we're not armored up, we'll, it'll toast us. He'll toast us. And the, the text is Ephesians 6, verses 10 to, to 20. Live in that text. And God will, will equip you. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And we, we can stand and we can fight, but we must be armored up. So Ephesians 6, 10 to 20 is essential. And then the third thing is just to know that quarantine, I think, is a great opportunity to evaluate your life mission in this season of your life. Like, what's the good God's calling you to do now? And slow down to just look at things, and, and Lord, where are you leading me, and, and what would be most effective as I spend my life? A word of encouragement to married people who find themselves in quarantine together, and end of hope. <laughs> Um, if you have that chance to spend quarantine with the one you love and, and are married to, you know, the beauty of everyday life is you're going so quick that you don't have time to deal with the root issues of your conflict, right? You just kind of, ah, well, okay, you, sorry, sorry, and boom, you move on. The beauty of quarantine is that you have opportunity to dig down and have some hard conversations around the core of what causes that conflict, and it often means unearthing some hurt, and when you feel that hurt, the person you love the most and the loves you the most hurt you, it makes you want to just run and quit, right? And what's so important to remember is that hurt is prime opportunity to do what, what marriage is a prime opportunity to do, it, which is love each other the way God loves us and bring glory to him in that. And so rather than run from each other or get discouraged and quit, when God shows you that hurt, it's not going to be easy. feel like dying. <laughs> it's the cross, right? But just commit, Jesus, I'm going to follow you and love this one you put in my life the way you love me and keep loving. And God will actually bring you together um, in that. 
The last quarantine takeaway that was impressed upon us was just the gift of team. And I was blown away again at the team that God has assembled here at Westbridge and to do some good for his glory. And I just, um, being away from the body of Christ just makes your heart long to be with the body of Christ. And I love his church. I love our church. And uh, just so thankful for each person that's a part of, of this church family and what God's doing to, uh, to work in our hearts and lives and to do good through us. So this morning, fitting, this is, just pause quickly, and uh, no way to adequately express our appreciation, but to say thank you to the staff that God has assembled here at Westbridge. And our, uh, we pray, Lord, would you bring us a team of humble, loving, gifted, hardworking, fun-loving brothers and sisters, and God has done that in our, our ministry team and our staff. So a couple weeks ago when the Colts were playing the Ravens, the Ravens had to spend the entire week, their defense, on Zoom preparing to, to play the Colts. How do you prepare to play defense on Zoom? <laughs> I, I don't know how you did that, but guess what? They, sh- they did it, they showed up, and they beat us. And when I thought about that, I thought about our team through COVID. How do you do church, which is a social thing, and, and uh, make disciples and do all the ministries that we're doing in the midst of all this? And our team didn't quit. With all their hearts, they said, we don't know how we're going to do it like this, but we're going to keep on. We're not going to quit. We're going to do what God's called us to do. And most importantly, and this is when you're going through seasons of crazy, what matters most is love for each other and a unified team and our team held together. They loved each other. They pursued unity amidst the craziness, and God is blessing through that. And I cannot, um, as point, thank them enough, but uh, so um, as a church family, can we just thank them for their service ministry? The, uh, and then what a gift last week to have JB with us, and I so appreciate his willingness to step up last minute, and he was living out that motto, always be ready to preach, pray, sing, and die, and uh, <laughs> appreciated his, um, his message. The, uh, it does remind me again of team, though, and one man... Go- one, one of us goes down, next man up, next man up, next man up. The church is not dependent upon any one person, but on the head. And he's providing for us through those he's raising up. The, uh, did anyone take the challenge that J.B. gave us of reading through uh, the Sermon on the Mount every day? Anybody do that? I know Tam and I jumped in, and we, uh, we, I don't, we didn't make it every day, but we, we read through it. I thought, what a great challenge that was. And just love the... Uh, just the, uh, the call, it was hard to get through even the first few verses and not just stop and soak, but just to hear our Lord speaking. This is how to live. This is the kingdom here on earth. But one of the things that hit me again as I was reading through this, not only is Matthew 5 to 7 a great ethic on how we're to live, it is a powerful reminder that we desperately need a Savior, isn't it? And Jesus hints at that. One of the purposes that he said, Matthew 5 to 7, was to just bring us back to that reality that none of us can live this out. We can't. (laughs) We have failed. We have failed, and we will continue to fail. We desperately need a Savior, and we have one who did live it out perfectly. 
And when we come to Him in faith and receive the gift that He gave us at the cross, we not only receive the forgiveness of sins, but we receive His imputed righteousness, the righteous life He lives. We get credit for today so that as we serve God, it's not out of duty trying to be um, right before Him. It's because we are right before Him, and it's out of love and devotion for what Christ did for us, living the perfect life, dying in our place on the cross, and offering eternal life for everyone who believes. Amen? So, how do we live a life that's pleasing to Him? It's through His Word. It's doing good, but it's through we're equipped through His Word. And so, each weekend, as we come back here through November, we're being equipped to do good for His glory because of all that He's done for us. So, that's where we're at today. The text today is 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 to 19. Three hope-packed verses. If you would join me there, as we open up to this text, the Lord walks us right up to attention, face-to-face with attention that we all face. And here's the tension. Wealth, riches, the accumulation of money is a huge opportunity to do good. When God gives us material resources, great opportunity. But it is also a huge threat to our soul, to the well-being of our soul, and the, the, uh, the unique life mission that God has called us into. So here's the question. When it comes to money and material resources that God provides, how do we avoid the threat, maximize the opportunity? And that's the question that God answers is he, uh, through Paul's advice to young Timothy as he instructs him on how to uh, help the, the church family that Timothy was serving in. So we'll uh, go ahead and read through this, and then we'll break it down. He says, uh, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of life that is truly life. Did you notice there in verse 17 as he starts the context? He says, command those who are rich in this present world. Command. So this is not an option like, hey, guys, think about this. Here's a suggestion. No, this is a command, and it's aimed at those who are rich. And this is where we think, Wish I was, but not me. Good. Lord, help the rich guy next to me to to hear what's being said. (laughs) Well, Gallup conducted a poll to see how different socioeconomic groups defined rich. And guess what they discovered? Everyone agreed. Everyone that did this poll agreed, rich is not me. But they all had a different, different definition of what rich was. And guess what it was? Rich is whatever was double the income of what they made. That, that was rich in, in, their art, in their eyes, roughly that. So I'll ask you this morning, are you rich? Or, or let me ask it another way. Do you have a cell phone? Indoor plumbing? Air conditioning? Access to education? Clean water? And here's the clincher. Do you have access to a Taco Bell? And if you said yes to most of those questions, 
good chance in relation to the history of humanity and the rest of our world right now, you would be in the category of rich. One more observation here. This is for those who are rich in this present world. And it's interesting here, God is reminding us, and he does it again later in this text, as we see life, we're to see a present world and a future world. The present world being the emphasis is it's temporary. The future world being what will be eternal. The future age is is eternal. So how do we manage our wealth? And he starts with, here's here's the threat to avoid. And this threat, you want to run from it, flee from it, sidestep or whatever, get away from this threat. And here it is. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. The threat to avoid is arrogance. Interesting, our biggest worry should not be that I would be impoverished or running out of money, but rather that I would be infected with pride, arrogance. To be arrogant is to think more highly of ourselves than we should in relation to God and others. And it's interesting here that the accumulation of money sets us up to fall, to pride. Look at me, look what I did. Have you felt that in your heart? Just, just the weird deal that the stuff you have all of, all of a sudden makes you feel differently about yourself and how you rate among others and can even cause you to forget about God. I was uh, thinking back one of the first times I felt this very, I still remember the feeling of when I bought my first pair of Nikes in sixth grade. North Carolina blue swipe. And when I, when I walked into school that day, South Elementary, I was a different man. I, I just held my head a little higher. just felt better about myself. And all these poor fellow classmates that didn't have, you know, a pair of Nikes. Shoes. <laughs> like this plastic. I was more worried about impressing than blessing completely forgetful that God was the one who graciously gave me these pair of shoes. Now, wait a minute. He didn't give the. I worked for those shoes. I mowed lawns for those shoes. With whose breath and whose mower? <laughs> my dad's. <laughs> the Lord's. <laughs> Remember when God uh, warns his people of this with the one of the dangers of the old covenant, he promised, if you obey me, I'll bless you with material things. And Deuteronomy 8, verse 10, he says, when you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God. Interesting, one of the antidotes to pride is praise. But he says, uh, be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied and you build your fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase, and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God. Verse 17, you may say to yourselves, my power and my strength, the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors. We had a funny moment this past uh, week, funny family moment. Jessie texted me. She was doing her FAFSA for college, and she texted me, Dad, what's my net worth? And I immediately texted her back, Jess, your net worth is priceless. You're, you're beyond, you know, calculation. But in the eyes of the government, <laughs> bad news, your, your net worth is 
hovering somewhere around zero or, or even minus. But, <laughs> but then I thought about that. And, and I thought, you know, realistically, though, what really is her net worth right now? Everything that Tam and I own. Everything. It's hers, right? And Chad and Laura's. And it may not be much, but it's theirs. <laughs> Everything, right? And that's us with our Father in heaven. Jesus said, don't be afraid, little flock. The Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Is my self-worth anchored in my net worth? Or is it anchored in my position as a treasured child adopted by the living God who has been pleased to give me the, his kingdom. <laughs> Man. I love that, that question helped me when, do I feel less when I have less? Do I feel less about myself when I have less? Or do I feel more about myself when I have more? Is a great indicator of if arrogance is in my heart. And then the second part of this thread, he says, okay, command them not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. And so, have you noticed that the more you have, the greater the temptation is to put your hope in that? Back when we don't have, you know, when our net worth is hovering around zero, we have no other option than, than to put our hope in God. If he doesn't come through, we're toast. But when he gives us more, now we have a bank account or something that we can see and we can hang on to, and there's that temptation to put our hope in what he's given us rather than him our hope in the gift rather than the giver. And so how do we manage our money? Um, this is the threat to avoid, avoid arrogance and putting our hope in it. And then maximize, the, the second part of this is to maximize the opportunity that God has given us. And this is where he says, um, second part of verse 17, here, here's the opportunity, but to put their hope in God who richly provides everything for our enjoyment. So here's the opportunity, or and then reading on verse 18, he says, Command those who are command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. So the opportunity is this: when God provides more than enough and provides us with material blessing, it's a chance with every blessing to reaffirm our hope in God. And then to use what He's given us to do good. So when our Lord provides more than enough, it's a chance for, for us just to to be reminded of who he is. And I ask you this morning, how generous is our God? Right now, the angels, this uh, cherubim, seraphim in heaven, are, are declaring a uh, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. Holy means infinitely above, a cut above in every category. And here's something that just, it'll make you want to just dance and praise him this morning, and it is this, our God is holy in his generosity to you, to me. There is no more generous being in the universe than our God. And do you want some proof of that? Has he given you more than enough? <laughs> He's saying, you know, this is evidence of this. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father. 
The enemy of our soul wants us convinced, convinced that our God is stingy, that, that you can't trust him to give you good things. You have to hold on to your good things. Even when he gives them to you, you got to hold on to it now. You might take it away. No. <laughs> Look at the text. Who richly provides everything for our enjoyment. God doesn't just meet our needs. He gives us what he gives us so that he might put a smile on our face even. He delights in that just as we delight in that for our children. This is our God. And so when he provides more than enough, it's an opportunity to worship him with those things. Here's a quote to consider. You haven't enjoyed something fully until you've enjoyed it with him. Have you, have you experienced that? You haven't enjoyed something fully until you've enjoyed it with him. If God has given you the means to drive a, a car, I, I would suggest to you, you haven't enjoyed that car fully until you've enjoyed it with him. And, and by that I mean understanding it came from him and thanking him for that. It's to enjoy with him. Lord, this is an awesome car that you've provided and it's to be used for him. Lord, help me use this for you and if you want me to give it away, I'll give it all away. It's all yours. And then, have you noticed that anxiety begins the moment we begin to hang on to our stuff, afraid that we'll lose it? You notice that? The minute we start to hold on to it, we lose the joy of it. Instead, we're stressed and we're, ah! But joy returns the moment we put our hope in the Lord. And remember again, he gave it all to me. One day it's all going to be gone. But right now I can enjoy it with him and I can use it for him. Bob and uh, Sandy Bueller, friends in Wisconsin, had a deep faith and love in our Lord. And one of the ways that you saw that was how they enjoyed the simple things of life. And Bob was a retired school teacher who would come in and volunteer at the church every Monday. And he would wear his Packer jersey. He was a hardcore Packer fan. <laughs> Sorry, Tim. And uh, his, he always had his uh, big... Uh, headphones on listening to talk radio and so he just loved football and and he would stop at our coffee station and make this thing that he just thought was the best thing in in the world which was uh his own version of a coffee mocha or whatever we'd make the coffee put some splenda in and then he'd put like a bunch of hot chocolate he'd always try to sell us on it man have you ever tried this stuff it's awesome well one day he uh invited tam and i over he and sandy to have dessert with them and little did we know his passion for ice cream was unrivaled. He went on and on about different ice creams and brands and flavors. They ordered ice cream. I mean, we, he was telling us brands we had never heard of and places like, I want to say it was like North Dakota, South Dakota, somewhere that they're ordering that you can only get it from this certain place in the country. And so the, the climax of the night was, and he was so fired up, which flavor are you going to pick? I wish I had the the stuff from here, it's the best, but here's, and he opened the, the freezer, and there's all these flavors, but which one are you going to pick? And we, Tam and I, and I, this week, I said, do you remember that night with Bob and Sandy? She still remembers it, too. And I, we drove away, I drove away thinking, Lord, help me enjoy your good gifts the way Bob and Sandy do with you. Just help me do that. I get so locked in on just, and forget that God made ice cream for us to enjoy. It's part of his richly providing. <laughs> and as we do that, I think this week, even Thanksgiving, enjoy a meal and enjoy fellowship with our family and friends, just to do that with him and, and put our hope in him. Lord, you've done all this and you're going to do more. So 
the opportunity to maximize is we put our hope in God and, verse 18, we do some good. There's four emphases here, four focuses around doing good that come out. Notice the first is simply this. He says, command them to do good. The emphasis here is just do it. It's action. Remember how Peter describes Jesus in Acts 10, verse 38, where he says, Jesus went around doing good, doing good, doing good. He was in motion. So doing good, action. Second, the focus shifts to what we value as he says, command them to be rich in good deeds. Interesting here. When we want to be rich, we value money. We want to get a lot of money. So God doesn't call us off of being rich. He says, change your definition of rich. Be rich in the right way, which is rich in good deeds. So that it changes how we value the day. So a great day is not when I made a bunch of money. A great day is when I did a lot of good. So it's a a shift in our value system. So rather than getting excited about accumulation we get excited about distribution one of the quotes that hit me recently pretty hard was the danger in life is not that we would fail the danger in life is that we would be successful in the wrong things and this is that that's same idea okay then he says that the focus shifts from our value system to our heart where he says and be generous so interesting God's concerned not just with us doing good, but that we would be doing it with a generous heart. This is an exciting reality as we grow to understand God's generosity to us. He's transforming us to be generous. So the day will come, hopefully, that we'll have those moments where we do good, not because it's the right thing to do, it's because it's who we are. We can't help but give. We've become a generous person, and we just naturally round up the tip. And when God gives us something, we find ourselves just giving it away. We can't help it. Why? We've become generous. (laughs) And understanding God's generous heart to us overflows into our generosity to those around us. I read a great sign at a church uh, near Tim and Kimmy's house there on Highway 100 that said, uh, Lord, help me be the man that my dog thinks I am. (laughs) <laughs> and I thought about Riley like every day every time I went to the fridge yesterday here comes Riley tail wagon thinking I'm gonna give her some some of my pizza no but, but um, I'm like Lord she thinks I'm so generous <laughs> help me be like that the uh, be generous be generous be generous and then the final focus he shifts to be willing to share. And this is where willing to share with those who are in need and never forgetting we're part of a community. And part of the reason God gives us more than enough is so that we can share that with those who have need. This week, a story of General McClellan from uh, the Civil War just pounded me where, remember that was, he was the general that was on paper. This guy was the perfect general. He built this well-trained army and just military genius but he wouldn't fight every time Lincoln said hey go fight he wouldn't fight finally Lincoln goes down there with an advisor to see what in the world's going on and he looks talks to the general looks over and early one morning that the advisor's name was Hatch he 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 uh, Abraham Lincoln wakes Hatch up and says hey let's go over and they go over to the battlefield and uh, the camp was stirring to life the president fixed his gaze deliberately ac- or across the sea of tents 
And then he finally waved his hand across the scene as if to pronounce an unspoken commentary or a nonverbal state of the union. As he did, he leaned toward Hatch, and in what was almost a whisper, he said, Hatch, Hatch, what is all this? It's a big army. Why, Mr. Lincoln, it's the Army of the Potomac, Hatch replied. Another moment passed as Lincoln formed his thoughts, and then he took a decisive breath, and he declared in a louder voice, no, Hatch, no, this is General McClellan's bodyguard. According to Hatch, nothing more was said. The two simply turned, returned to their tents. A few weeks later, McClellan was removed from his post. And where that hit me hard was, what God has given me, it's not to be my bodyguard, my, my wall of security. He gave it to me to fight a battle. We're in a war. We've been given a mission. We, we've got the gospel. People are without the gospel, no hope. And he's given us what we have to go fund the, the carrying of this gospel, the light, the hope of the world. And here, John, are you building a, with what I've given you, are you building a, a bodyguard or building a security around yourself rather than fighting a battle is the message that I heard out of that. And it just made me so thankful for, you know, one of the reasons we give offering. The offering is just to remind us of this. And as a church family, so neat. I was thinking about our Thanksgiving offering and, and all these things that today, this morning, I, on behalf of our family, I hopped online and as I gave what we gave, thought it's going out to do some good globally taking the gospel into the darkest part of our world the 1040 window where islam has a stronghold part of this that we'll give today is going to go do that locally twin lakes camp helping bless kids and and uh, mental health support coming alongside families that are broken down through this covid thing and pointing them to christ but also helping them heal in their brokenness and then the baby box and then our shelter house out back and just think of all the conversations and the worship moments and the fellowship moments that are going to happen out on our back 40 and the beauty of what God's given us and and together we get to do this it's the best money spent this week right <laughs> um, advancing the cause and, and playing the part that God's given us the calling that God's given us well that brings us to the the last part of this which is just pure fuel pure fuel and it's the promise to pack and it's verse 18 in this way they will promise lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of life that is truly life this is how we lay up treasure in the world to come it's simply doing the good with what God the supplies that God provides for us I love this verse and it's one of those verses that raises the shade isn't it just gives us a peek into the world to come, the world that we will one day inhabit. And uh, God just talks about the present age, the future age, and, and we have opportunity today as we do good to lay up treasure. Now, it's, faith, it's a faith step, isn't it? We can't see that treasure, and, but, uh, but we believe um, by faith that God, as Jesus said, a hundred times what we give. Why pack this promise? Why is this an important part of the text? And I think this is, God gave us this as motivation, as fuel, just to remind us, hey, it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. Store up treasure in heaven. Now, I, I can hear someone thinking, 
right now. Maybe you've not been wise with how you've uh, been generous or whatever, and you're thinking, I've wasted my life. I'm going to live, be living by a van down by the river in the age to come. I'm going to have no treasure, and I'm going to be living in a just podunk place, and all discouraged. Well, here's a promise for you. John 15, 5 says, Jesus said, abide in me, because if you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. And then he says later, or say, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. And as JB mentioned last week, you don't have to worry about the outcome. Just abide in Christ, and he will lead you and guide you. And through him, he gives you that promise. You will bear much fruit. Even though it may not seem like much, even though maybe we don't have a lot of time to catch up, God will provide. So bringing it all together, wealth is a threat, but it's also an opportunity. The threat to avoid arrogance and putting our hope in wealth, the opportunity to maximize is putting our hope in God and then doing the good that that, um, he's allowed us to do. So what are some practical ways to live this out this coming week? Okay, what if every good thing that we enjoy, so from our apple pie to putting up those Christmas lights or whatever it is, we just use that as an opportunity to put our hope in God, reaffirm as we experience his generosity, say, Lord, thank you for being a generous God, and my hope is in you for all things. My hope is in you. And then out of the overflow of his generosity, we get fired up to do some good and just do the good that God points us to that day. Two categories to think about as you set out to do good. The first one is the power of a simple gift this week. So what does God put in your hands that you could give, and when he nudges you, you just give a simple gift to somebody around you? What came to my mind were these scissors. Simple gifts. Scissors, you wouldn't think much of them. But these scissors were given to Tam and I over 25 years ago. We were living in Dallas. Matt Stewart came down to spend a, some time with us and had a great time hanging out. But before he left, he said, hey, I just want to say thank you for your hospitality and give you these scissors. And by the way, these are the best scissors you ever have. They're, you can open bottles. They're pliers. They're uh, like a saw. You cut down a tree, weapon. I mean, these are awesome. And I all attest, they have been. We still have them. But you know what the gift of these scissors is to us, to me? Nearly every time I pick these up, what do I think? I think about Matt, and Sally, and Lucas. It's, it's, the connect, it's the human connection. And I got a brother who loves me, I love him, and, and I'm not alone, and he gave me something. Wow, and, and it pumps me up to be generous. And then the, and this week, or last week, as Tam was going through COVID time, Christy Johnson sent some daisies, and then Mindy sent some flowers too, and same deal. Every time I looked at those daisies, what did I think? Christy loves us praying for us, thinking about us. It's that human connection, the power of a simple gift. It's the, it's the human connection, the reminder of the body of Christ. And then the next category, so simple gift is one category to think through. The other category is, what is uniquely yours to do? Like, this is the good work that only you can do, and no one else in the world can do this good thing that you're going to do. It's like God created this one for you alone. And if you don't do this, 
It's not going to get done. It's yours. I remember when I, realizing I'm the only dad that my kids have, or I'm the only husband my wife has. No other, there, there's that. But think, like, how's God created you? What's your love? What's your passion? What's, your, what's he put in your hands? And what can only you do? And then when you see it, go do it, is the idea. And the image that came to my mind was this cross that this guy over, that worships over at Bartlett Chapel, who's part of the Project Homeless, uh, friends with Brad and Michelle Lee, and having met him, and found out he, he retired, he loves to work with his hands, and he started welding two nails together, and he put a little put them in a Ziploc bag and a little message about the gospel, and the nails are, he says, they're, they're imperfect nails to remind us that we're imperfect, but the nails remind us that Christ took our imperfections to the cross and died so that we might be perfect and have life. And he gives these away to everybody on a chain, and he gave one to me. He will not take money for them. And there are thousands of these crosses all over the world. He sends them on mission trips, and he's like, yeah, they're in here and there, and he takes, he'll send a bunch of them with the, the team to give them away to the people around there, and nobody else is doing this like him that I know of, and if you want one, I, I'm sure we could co connect you with him, he'd be happy to do it, but he tells, you know, I make like 20 a day, he says, and this is his thing, <laughs> it's not my thing, not your thing, but, but it's his thing, and it's awesome, so I put it at my bedstand next to my one thing, card and every night that I go to bed this guy blesses my life by helping me remember Jesus but also I think about him and like dude's just using his retirement to go make crosses love that and so what's God calling calling us to do are you fired up to do some good today <laughs> man I know my heart is uh, the Word of God, powerful, just to help us see we have a generous God. May we be overwhelmed with His generosity so that we might be fueled to go do some good. I'd like to lead us in a prayer, a Thanksgiving prayer, and really this being as we bring our offering to the Lord and to, uh, to bring an offering of gratitude and uh, praise to Him. And so would you join me as we pray? Father, as we kneel in your presence now, we, our hearts are uh, just overwhelmed with your goodness to us. To be able to call you Father and to know that we have been adopted, chosen by you. To know the cost at which we've become your children, that Father, you gave your son, and Jesus, you gave your life, and you bled on the cross, you died. You became poor so that we might be rich, and Lord, I pray this morning you would give us a renewed vision of, of our riches, just to remind, thank you for this text that reminds us that this is not our home, this present age is temporary, riches come and go, but we have a home where we can store up treasure. Lord, I thank you for the spiritual blessings you've given us in Christ. Lord, this morning we thank you for our physical blessings and we don't take these for granted. Our health, our strength, our jobs, our, the homes that you've given us, the 
cars that we drive, the, the food that we enjoy, more than enough every week. You, you just bless us. Lord, the relationships that you've given us and our families and our friends and this incredible country where we live, our church family. Lord, we think of David's prayer when he gave to the temple and who are we to be able to give as generously as this? You've given us all these things and, and it's with hearts full of joy that we give a small portion back to you Lord, I pray that you would take this offering and this Thanksgiving offering and that you would do good in a way that would set precious people free from the bondage to the, the enemy. Lord, that you would open their eyes to the beauty of who you are on the cross and that they would step into the joy of a growing relationship with you in ways that would transform their families, transform their communities. start churches and bring you glory. Father, we pray that you would make us generous people. Purify our hearts, Lord. Take out anything that is greed and put in your love. Put in your generosity so that we might be rich in good deeds willing to share, doing good for your glory. We pray all this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.